Anyway, I'm Catherine Lambrecht. I do the programs for Chicago Foodways Roundtable. So today's program, we have Dave Hoekstra. That's right. Who I or you? Paul Atkin. And Paul, yes. Because you know, I could, because I know Paul, you're a fabulous photographer. Paul's the talker. Oh, Paul's the talker. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and Dave is a talker too. So anyway, I'll let you have Dave Hoekstra, um, who has come here before talking about supper clubs That's right. a long time ago. Yeah, and we have, we have the books for sale there. Yes. So thanks for coming out. Um, this is uh, the people's place. Paul did all the pictures. He's very modest. He did a great job. Um, and I did the writing. I've got a little preface to, to, to read here, but before I do that, I mean, the book is really, uh, when, I, when we tell people, the book is really not a, um, a cookbook. It's really not a food book. It's what we did with the Supper Club book is kind of what we did with this book. It's just a collection of, um, of oral histories kind of gathering stories from people in, in, in place and stuff. That's, that's kind, of, kind of what that is. So, I don't know, marketing. There, there are recipes in this book. There are recipes in this book, and the Supper Club book did not have recipes. But. So, uh, these are times of division in Chicago for sure, but there's a unifying code uh, that can be heard in the voices of the people's place. Many soul food entrepreneurs provided sustenance and spirit during the Civil Rights Movement. A place is not a place if it is not open to all people. Chicago photographer Paul Natkin captured most of these faces of restaurant owners, staff, activists, and customers. You can correct me if any of this is wrong. His, his late father, Robert Natkin, was one of the founding photographers of Ebony Magazine and the first team photographer for the Chicago Bulls. Paul learned his craft alongside his last father. There's his late father. Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Yep. Uh, Paul and I, uh, 2013-2014, so we drove from New Orleans to Detroit, Chicago to Washington, D.C. We ate pig ear sandwiches with James Meredith in Jackson, Mississippi, and heard 34-year-old Harlem activist Tamika Mallory declare, our rights are being rolled back like stand your ground law and stop and frisk in New York City. Discrimination in general, you realize we're going back to a very dangerous time in the history of black people in America. She said that in March 2014 at Sylvia's in Harlem. And so we handed our manuscript in and, um, and the book was pretty much done before Ferguson uh, even happened. It, I think things have changed even so much more dramatically, obviously. Uh, sharing food is a real signal of social equality. I paired Leah Chase, we'll begin with her in a minute, then 91 with the New Orleans Freedom Rider. Leah lamented that maybe she didn't do enough for the movement. Freedom writer Dodie Smith-Simmons put her arm around Leah and assured her how she stepped up big time, saying, when I was arrested in 1961 for picketing at the police station, our lawyers came to Dookie Chase for food. Fried chicken, shrimp poor boys. We didn't eat jail food. The third time I was arrested over Easter, Mrs. Chase sent baked ham, potato salad, green peas, and everything. So I enjoyed going to jail. So I think the most common question we got while researching the book was, what is soul? Uh, we have the definition in the, in the book forward, but the most common answer we got in our, our field research was, soul is love, soul is whatever rings your bell, soul is a bond. When I did travel stories for the Sun-Times, I embraced the bonds of sense of place and identity. What are the variables that shape a place? What ideas do people bring into a place? Then what can they learn from a place? Of course, in the movement, people fought for places to be everywhere. 
In 2013, I wrote a book on supper clubs for Chicago Review Press where I heard a place is not a place until it is remembered. So the supper club book and the soul food civil rights books are really not food books or cookbooks, but they're an examination of these unique places and they celebrate the spirited voices that keep these places alive. So uh, we'll roll through these slides. So I think that's the format we'll do. If you have any questions on them, there's a lot, but we move fast. And then we can just stop and kind of as a, a walk through the book, really. It's kind of, because we started, we started driving around in New Orleans and we, we there's Leah. She just got a, um, a Beard Lifetime Achievement Award. Do you see that all right? Does it look okay? Uh, Edgar. We had, I don't think we have the slide in here of, uh, we were doing the interviews and uh, Dean Martin's daughter was in there with Daryl LaMonica. Used to play with the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raider. There's uh, Doty, who we talked about. That's a pretty famous, that's a pretty well-known story. <coughs> she almost got shot. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's people from, we have friends from Chicago who went down and helped them rebuild. I think our friend Bob Roth went down there, Peter. Yeah. We didn't get too much into the art in the book, but it's part of the rebuild. Mothers was kind of a, um, it's been there since 1938, and what's interesting about them um, is how they've kind of changed their menu and tweaked their menu with the changing palette of, uh, of New Orleans after Katrina. So we talked to them about that. Paul took some great pictures. I mean, the, the, the staff there is uh, his family. You know, we've been there 10, 12, 15 years. That's their signature. What's the eccentric? I couldn't put the rest of the recipe on the, on the PowerPoint. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the book, though. <laughs> A lot of stuff on that sandwich. They said, uh, then they tell us Chris Christie went in there a couple times. He loves the book. They change the board every day. That's an addition. So their, their restaurant wasn't affected by the... Uh... They closed, but they came back really fast. Were they damaged? Or was they were there? like, they're just like, I don't know what direction it would be. I guess it would be south of the quarter, like in the central business district. So they didn't get hit too bad. Yeah, yeah. They didn't get too much damage there because they're, 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 they were downtown, just solid, just near the central business district. It's a very big tourist place. Like during Jazz Fest and stuff, it's, there's huge lines. Well, we saw lines when we were down there in, this time of year after Mardi Gras. Lots of greens. It's where you learn to make 100 gallons of everything. <laughs> I mean, a lot of hotels and, you know, high-rise hotels and businesses have built around them since 1938. It's a, Owner Jerry, we talked to him on the phone, but he was uh, he was sick. So I mean, we did the we did the book in kind of a way where you could kind of take the book and, and follow the path. We we called it the Soul Food Corridor. We started in New Orleans. We went up to Jackson, went to Memphis. You'll see Nashville a little bit. Um, we shot over to Montgomery, Birmingham. Uh, we did what we did. Do we fly into Washington? Yeah. We flew into Washington and took a bus to New York. Drove to St. Louis, uh, drove to Little Rock. What was your bus in preference? Greyhound, we of course. We took Greyhound. <laughs> the Greyhound shuttle from, uh, from D.C. to New York. So this was, uh, people ask about uh, some of our favorite foods. I think um, the pig ear is right up there. That was the worst meal I ever ate in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to eat it because the owner made it for us. <laughs> So you know how that is. They serve them like little slider buns and stuff. Pig ears. Very spicy. Maybe something else. Like, I don't know. Relish? 
Yeah, I think I well, I put mustard on there stuff. There was some mustard yeah. on it and some coleslaw. Coleslaw, right? It, it tastes like really salty, tough bologna. <laughs> no, like like really tough bologna. The texture was terrible. <laughs> it was crunchy. I remember it being salty too. We should open a pig ear sandwich up uh, place up here. <laughs> it's I don't think it will go over. <laughs> you know what though? Pig ears have a meta size. Because a lot of these chefing places are putting pig ears. They slice them so you get that cartilage texture. Yeah. yeah. And the price has really jumped. One thing I learned in both books, and I, I'm sure this is true outside of the restaurants, but. Um, in both supper clubs and soul food, I found that third generations are the ones who dropped out. So the fact that he's fourth generation, it's a, it's a huge deal. Uh, he, it's a small store, but he, he was really, he's there a lot. He's there a lot. This is one of my favorite pictures that Paul took. Um, we worked hard to get James Meredith to meet us down there. Um, very stoic, somewhat bitter. I just like the way Paul took that picture with the church across the street. What's his story? He was the first uh, African-American person at the University of Mississippi. The first African-American person that went to the University of Mississippi. And he had to fight. I've got a picture coming up. He had to fight to go there. Yeah. Pig ear sandwiches. We had pig ear sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, we got a picture of that coming up. But I mean, even again, I talked about what happened since the book came out about a year and a half to maybe a year and a half ago. They have a statue of him on campus and it was desecrated. So, so there, that's a picture of him. I know, I remember he was accompanied by the National Guard. He has a memorable quote Paul and I talk about. He said he's still fighting his battles today. Obviously, he brought his granddaughter uh, and she was in amazed at the fact he had taken his radio out of his car. <laughs> he hated music of today. <laughs> this isn't too far uh, from the Big Apple. It's a historic landmark. There's nothing inside the building. They're on a street, Big Apple's on a street that they're trying to uh, redevelop, like their version of Beale Street in Memphis or I guess that'd be the closest thing. For, there were like blues acts down there, and uh, there's some old movie theaters. This place is abandoned, um, but they're very upset. Nothing's nothing's happening. The Big Apple's one of the few businesses on there, right? Yeah. And we saw the abandoned movie theater. And there's another restaurant, but it was closed. They were filming the James Brown movie right. in that restaurant, the diner scenes. And. Um, They want to do it. They want to make it like Beale Street, but it's not happening. And they're like about, they're like three blocks from the state capitol. And I asked the question, I mean, do politicians come over here? Do the governor, you know, they said no. And like, you could walk from the state capitol to Farias, I think it's, I'm not, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Farias Ferri Street. Yeah, it was like a ghost town. So this is a closed hotel? Yeah. It's, it's still there, but the, sh the shell of the hotel. It's, yeah. While in Jackson, did you get to go to your sister's kitchen? No, I heard about it, but 
I think one of the most frustrating things about the book, I mean, we're happy with it, but I mean, we had a small publisher, so we had a limited travel budget. I mean, I, I, we'll get to Harlem in a minute, but I, we could have spent a week in Harlem. There's a million stories, you know. Um, I mean, Sylvia's has been written about a lot, but um, what's happening with gentrification in Harlem, I think, is really, really, really interesting. I know Sylvia's has strong opinions about that, but we did what we could on, a, on buses and cars. And <laughs> that's the abandoned movie theater on that street. Yeah, that's that is, yeah. So then um, <clears throat> that's pretty much what we did. We went from Jackson up to Memphis. Yeah. If you have anything you want to say about these Memphis pictures? Not really. Yeah, they're, uh, she's been there almost since, since they opened the museum. Because I've been down there a lot, and uh, she's just protesting the changes in the neighborhood. It's taking the, I guess for lack of a better word, the soul out of... Uh, that was the window that he shot Martin Luther King from. And they just opened that up in recent years. Wasn't open to the public. Same girl, what happened? He's died. He died. Yeah. In jail. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of where the um, this was the first interviews we did for the book. Um, you know, obviously a lot of these are mom and pops. Uh, Willie grew up in this neighborhood, uh, not far from Stacks Records, and he just place had closed or was getting ready to close he you know saved his money got some people from his church and they and they saved this restaurant this is a favorite restaurant of dr king's in memphis yeah did they really yeah. did they like Yeah. Yeah, drop our name. He's a, he's a very, very sweet guy. We did a, um, a thing this fall at Stacks. He came out and brought some food. I think he brought the peach cobbler and stuff. Just a, a really, really, yeah. Really great fried chicken. Worth driving down there just for that. Fried chicken. But it's real interesting. You know, I interviewed him several times, and he always, never, he's never the owner, he's always the steward. <laughs> so um, I don't know. We I, I don't you know I don't shy away uh, talking about the race stuff in the book. Um, I'd say the most dramatic comment was uh, we were having the first time I was down there. We were having uh, lunch with Willie and Marvell Thomas. This is in the book. Rufus Thomas's son. And Marvel was doing a, a session at Stax um, on the day that Dr. King was assassinated. And he had been on a, he was at a, doing a food run at, uh, at Four Way when, when the news came out and stuff. So Marvel's memories and stuff were in the book. Um, great guy, keyboardist. But then during the first lunch, he, we started talking. We were there for a long time. It was a long afternoon. He says, I won't use his exact language, but he said like 95, 90, 95 percent people writing about soul food are, are white people. <laughs> and he had some anger in his voice, you know, but that's kind of what I said at, my, at the beginning of my comments. I mean, I just, I'm trying to be a conduit for these voices. And 
I, I have no idea what he went through. I respect what he said, so it's in the book. This just a lay. It's a woman who sits out there, and she's been there almost since the museum opened. She thinks it's glorifying James Earl Ray. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which it really isn't. She thinks the museum. Oh, the, I see. Where you the, the Civil Rights Museum is right across the street from the Lorraine Motel, and it's a really, it's probably the greatest museum I've ever been in, uh, and it tells all sides of the story. There's a whole section on conspiracy theories uh, but but she thinks that it's glorifying James Earl Ray okay so that was so I'm just trying to understand so we're across the street from each other she's yeah she's across the street from the Lorraine Motel She's been there almost since the Civil Rights Museum opened, because I went down there right when it opened for the paper. And She's right next to the Civil Rights Museum. Yeah. And so she considers that the James Earl Way Memorial Museum? Well, she yeah. says that, but and she also doesn't like the... Yeah, the neighborhood's changing. It really is. It's, it's, a, it's on the upswing from when it was when the Civil Rights Museum opened. I think she talks, also talks about gentrification. Yeah, she's just... But she's always almost by herself, really. Yeah. It's mostly restaurants yeah. in the area. It's kind of an industrial area. I, I didn't see a whole lot of homes. What do they call that area by Hazel and Ernestine's and all that? And that's not that far away, where the trolley runs down. And yeah. But not far where this Hazel and Ernestine's is, that's a famous old bar and restaurant. And it's by the train station. Anyway, there's a lot of art galleries and stuff opening. Yeah, we, we ate at Gus's chicken. The greatest fried chicken in the world. They just opened in Chicago, right, right down the street from here. Gus's fried chicken. Well worth the trip. Yeah. Yeah, but they, yeah, they have like a Friday night, a monthly Friday night art walk and stuff. It's not, not far from there. They're my Facebook friends. They just got engaged, these, these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I like that picture. To Fourway? I don't think... To where? I don't think he. I don't think Elvis went to the four-way. No. I think people cooked for him at his at his mm -hmm. house. I don't think he went out much. I like that picture. Oh, <laughs> the paparazzi. <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes. That's you know. The other night at, uh, in Evergreen Park, people asked if you know there was any issues being white people doing this book in the restaurant and stuff and never we were always welcome so Alcinia's is the other one we did in Memphis she's uh, more into marketing one thing we've learned you'll see this in Sylvia's too you know I mean um, you just have to market yourself and diversify so she does cookbooks and sauces and um, 
she's a real, real, real go-getter. Okay. Oh yeah, that's I forgot about talk about that. So the pyramid, uh, that's where the yeah, that's where the Grizzlies started playing when they came down from Vancouver, and they used to have concerts in there. And then when they all moved to um, FedEx Forum, that sat empty for a long time. And now it's, they were doing this while we were down there. Now it's the world's largest Bass Pro Store. <laughs> and I want to go. My brother lives in Nashville, so I want to take a drive over there. I haven't had time, but. Um, up on top where it's dark on the little thing, they've got like a, a restaurant up there like with all these stuffed animals and stuff. And, and everybody in Memphis talks about it. It's, it's supposed to be like a really oddball tourist attraction. So I really want But her business died when the Grizzlies moved out of there. Because yeah. there were 40-some games every year right down the street, and they're downtown now. It's a nice picture. True story. Anytime anybody walks in the restaurant, she gives them a hug. No, that's not me. <laughs> He's from. Do you know? It looks like some a, guy. This is some guy that walked in the door. I I don't know. Is it? She's got her own cookbook, but everybody was so nice to give us their recipes. So you guys know the story of sweetie pies, right? No. She's on the Oprah Network. And, you know, a lot of my DNA is in music, as is Paul's and stuff, so I was real interested in her backstory. I mean, we, I knew about some of these places, I researched some of them, I was interested in her backstory as a uh, background singer for Ike and Tina Turner and Dr. John. So, um, and as you're, as you're seeing, a lot of these places are, are, are kept together by women. And she's, you know, she's from St. Louis. She opened one restaurant, a small restaurant in California, and then she moved back to St. Louis, and she's done a, at least two or three sweet, sweetie pies. I think one might have closed. We went to We went to two, two. yeah. So in the book, she talks about, you know, cooking on a hot plate in the hotels when she was um, on the road with them in the early 60s, probably. We like to point out that... Uh, I think she was worried about the legal ramifications of not wearing a hairnet in the kitchen. She's the only one who, every time we fall in to take her picture, she put on the hairnet. <laughs> it's kind of off-putting a little bit. Yeah. Get in trouble with the St. Louis uh, food inspectors. <laughs> but she's like a, yeah. This is the, the pictures you're seeing are the one of, uh, close to downtown, close to the Fox Theater. And then there's, uh, this is the one um, outside of town, a neighborhood called the Mangrove. Yeah. That um, meet and threes are like a whole nother story, but there's a lot of meet and threes in Nashville, and they have the same rules for the meet and threes. No baggy pants, no sag. Is know what meet and three is? Yes. You go through the line, you get one meet and three sides. Just like in supper clubs can be can bump up against steakhouses and stuff like that. You could say, you know, soul food could bump up against. Uh, Against meat and threes. He's a Cubs fan. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that picture. You see the neighborhood in there. Did she specialize in pies? There were a lot of pies there, but it's mostly soul food. Yeah. The it's dessert a, is not part of the meat and three. You get dessert is extra. The one downtown is a big space. I mean, she has like a little banquet area. That's kind of where we interviewed her. She has concerts in there. I think she said um, 
who was it? Bobby Rush, a soul singer. He play he plays there. I mean, it's a huge space, the one downtown. Probably the oldest one in the book, 1930. We had to go to Little Rock um, uh, for the Little Rock Nine. Um, they kind of special. I just like the atmosphere of this place. I mean, I don't remember much about the food. It was seafood. He does a lot, yeah, of, a lot of a lot of fish, a lot of fish. And uh, one of the few places we went to had a, a really great, great jukebox. No dancing allowed, though. There's a big sign: no dancing allowed because it messes up the floor. The floor's old. Yeah. So we talked to Minna Jean on the phone. She's up in Canada. She lives in Canada. And then we brought her sister to the restaurant. You guys know who the Little Rock Nine were? They were nine African-American kids that uh, tried to go to the Little Rock Central High School. And they actually bombed the, the high school and blew up the back part of it to keep them out. And it's, there's a whole museum across the street from it now. There's a gas station across the street where the reporters used to go to to make their their calls back to their papers on the one phone in the area. That's it. That's yeah. the gas station. Still in its original form. So Sir Lloyd was kind of, I think, kind of like their Purvis span, but he, he, got, he started talking about it on the radio in the 50s and 60s. And it's really off the beaten track. It's not like near anything. Like an old residential neighborhood. No dancing. These are some outtakes from Montgomery. So in Montgomery, we found Odessa's Blessings, which is a, a, an old house. A young couple saved their money for seven or eight years to get this restaurant going in an old house. And uh, I think they do okay with... Uh, with meals, but they also have groups uh, that come down and are, they're doing like outreach or charity work or spiritual work in Montgomery, and so they cater for them. We've got some people from Lansing, like a church group from Lansing, Michigan, who come down there, and I talk to them. Um, but I know it, it was a real, you know, real struggle for this young couple to, to get this restaurant going and to keep it. Odessa's blessings. Yeah, you'll see. We'll we'll have a picture of it. Come. Odessa. Odessa's. Like the like the like the folk singer, Odessa. But what I you know again, with a little bit of a, a travel as a sub subtext to all this, you could go to the with the Parsonage Museum is really really interesting. Like we say here, Dr. King was there from '54 to '60, and the re and you could go there and then almost walk over to the to the uh, to the restaurant. But they recreated the museum by talking to church elders, and uh, the detail is just just remarkable. Uh, she was of great help to us. So they talked about what Coretta Scott King had in the kitchen and, and the ingredients she used. You'll see a cookbook here. So it's they talked. Kind, of, kind of mind blowing to be in Martin Luther King's kitchen. But it has a very great feel. It, it's it's very very authentic. So yeah, I actually went and got that book on eBay and uh, the Gold Cookbook. He was a chef at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. So then there's the uh, Odessa's Blessings. That's one of your favorite pictures. Football coaches and civil <laughs> rights leaders. <laughs> two most important parts of culture in the South. <laughs> 
it's a great space, you know. It's they, they're really. Well, I can't. I can't remember off the top. Do you remember what we had? What was that? Favorite food. Fried fried chicken everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're, ser you're serving probably my favorite. The lime, we'll get to the lima beans, but that was probably my favorite from Charleston. You had said that Really, really good. What? What's good fried chicken? In Chicago or elsewhere? In Jerusalem. What's your standard? What makes it good? Spicy. Crispy on the outside, spicy, and mouth-watering chicken inside. Do you like that uh, Tennessee hot type? Or is that too hot? We're, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, it's Nashville. We haven't gotten to Nashville yeah. yet. And we have that too yet? Yeah, Gus's, Gus's in Chicago serves Nashville hot chicken. It's really yeah. good. Gus's, it's on Fulton Market, block and a half west of Halstead. It's like right up, right up the street here, whatever direction. So this is an outtake. We do have a uh, we do have a Facebook page for the book where there's a couple things that didn't get in the book are, are on the Facebook page, just extras. We have uh, Birmingham, the Greek soul food uh, place in Birmingham is on the Facebook page. It's called the People's Place. And then there's also uh, we were on our way somewhere, but then somebody told us that uh, Dr. King's barber was in this building. So. As Paul said, I should go get a haircut. So it was great. I got my haircut from Dr. King's Barber. So we started talking about the history of the building. Like Little Richard stayed there in the 50s. And most of the buildings <coughs> abandoned, but he's on the ground floor. His barber shop's been there. I think you'll see him since 1952. So I got my tape recorder. He was great. Really, really. It was a great interview. It's probably one of the highlights of the trip. <laughs> not, not in the book. <laughs> Just a corner, corner barbershop, but he's been there forever. I mean, 1952. There were, there were a lot of people just sitting around, a couple people sitting around in the barbershop talking when we were in there. I mean, think about that. He's been there, what, 64 years? I'm doing quick math. <laughs> okay, explain Greek soul. Yeah. Well, that's kind of our... our well, how do we explain these guys? That's, he, why, they, that's why it didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've been there forever. Um, actually, that's a, that's a, now that I'm thinking about it, that is where Meat and Threes really came up against soul food. We talked to people there, and they, were, they called it. We asked, is this soul food? And they said, yes, it's soul food. Others said it was Meat and Three. He had a, he had a real kind of billy goat shtick, didn't he? He was like giving us a hard time all the time. Smoking in our, yeah, the owner. Smoking in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> But it's you've got you've, you've got this. Um, you'll see here. So they've got the big. Uh, it's a buffet line. Buffet line. You get yeah. one meat and three sides and dessert. And uh, he's been he's on the place for or his family's on it for 50 years. So they've seen a lot of they've seen a lot of change, obviously in Birmingham. One of the owners is in the middle there. Do you have a question? Very good. Good. That'll be in our next book. <laughs> What'd you like there? I like the catfish. Catfish? 
What's interesting is there, what was the question? Really good peach cobbler. Yeah, what was your choices, by the way, on your sides? You got the catfish, and what else came with ah, that? You didn't have uh, catfish, coleslaw, cornbread. I usually didn't get uh, peach cobbler because I made a pretty good peach cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a tough judge of these peach cobbler. <laughs> They give you a lot of food at a meet and three. Yeah, you do get a lot of food. You get a huge plate of food. Nikki, Nikki's West. Nikki's West. And where is it? Birmingham, Alabama. So do you ever say what makes it great as opposed to not Just it's a Greek family that owns that's owned the place for years. You know, that's a... a yeah, I think it used to be downtown, but that's a, that's another thing about the book is the whole definition of soul food is changing. You know, people ask me about like where's the best soul food restaurant in Chicago and all that, and you know, I kind of send people to Big Jones and they call themselves Southern food, but they use Edna Lewis as a you know, so Big Jones in Andersonville. Um, Big Jones isn't in the book, but um, it's you know. I, agree, I agree. disagree with them. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite? The best soul food in Chicago is at Pearl's. No. 31st and Michigan. Yeah, that's more traditional. Yeah. Pearl's. Have you been out to Priscilla's in Rockville? Not yet. Yeah. 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 Heard about it. But they really are. They're, they're Greek people serving soul, soul food and meat and three. That's really... It's not, it's not, yeah. But no, they're shit... But, just regular soul food. Downtown Birmingham. This is Charleston. This is probably my. You're, you know, you're serving this today, right? The lima beans from um, yes. Martha Lou's. Or uh, butter beans. Yeah. These are really. You know, I'm not a big lima bean guy, but man, I, I drove down there a third time just to see. Again, these are mom and pops. There's no website, the phone calls back, or you know, spotty. So. I went down there a third time, well, to see a baseball game, and then also stand in the kitchen and get the uh, get the recipe right. All the recipes in the book uh, were tested by the editors at the Chicago Review Press too. So they... this is an old old gas station that they turned into a restaurant. You have to go outside to go to the washroom. Outside the building or somewhere else? To there's the washrooms out the door. The washrooms outside. Okay. 
That muralist passed away just before we got there, like about three months before we got there. He's got murals all over this neighborhood. So did Hay Star brand mean anything to you? I mean, and she was very specific about that, but... Right, well, I'll tell the story of what happened. Okay. But they, man, they were so, they were really... You had some... I don't know, I'd be interested. Okay, what I made... Okay, I live in Highland Park, and I couldn't leave town yesterday, so I went to Jewel. Jewel had no dry lima beans at all. But I had seen them in the frozen section. So these were the frozen, fresh lima beans, baby lima beans, which in the South they refer to as butter beans. And if you don't like lima beans, you still have to try this because they really are good. But they need more cooking than the package suggests. <laughs> these are some great portraits. Um... I really like that one. His story is he became an activist. Um, he went to the war, and he came back to Charleston. He wasn't allowed to get on the bus. So um, he's, he's, become an, he's just been a real hardcore activist around Charleston. Though. And he had a purple heart. I don't know. I'd have to... Yeah, he had a, yeah, he had a, purple, had yeah. a purple heart. Yeah. 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 So there she is, Butter. She was great. All day long, just dipping chicken and flour. She worked at all kinds of restaurants in Charleston in the 50s and uh, 60s, and she opened this place. So the big deal, they have been written about in the New York Times and stuff, so every time we've been there, there's been like a lot of white folks standing in line with guidebooks and stuff. Yeah. Almost every car in the, in the parking lot had a different state's license plate on it. Yeah. We, wanted, we had somebody, they took us around the neighborhood. They're not in the book, but we, we ate there. Third generation. It's a guy that sells peanuts at the baseball games. So then we went down to Richmond. Kind of what we touched on with mothers is, uh, this is a great example of how the definition in the face of soul food is changing. She's a Liberian refugee who opened uh, her own place in Richmond, Virginia, doing very well. At the time we were there, she was opening up a second store. But it's soul food with a complete different definition. The scale's there because you buy food by the pound. You fill up your plate yeah. and they charge like, you by the pound. Yeah. And you could shoot up to DC. You guys know about Ben's? That's the first place um, they took President Obama to when he came to Washington. It's like a I, you know, in terms of like pop culture, it's probably their billy goat. I mean, it's like, yeah. We're going like to gyms. What? We're going to gyms from Maxwell Express over on uh, Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So our. Um, when we were doing the book, our first choice to do the forward was uh, Bill Cosby, but we changed the path and uh, we got we got we got Shaka Khan. <laughs> and there's been talk. I mean, I've been reading about it since we did the book. I mean, there's murals. Obviously, there's there's been in Virginia, but they have uh, Cosby on a mural. And there's talk about then they wanted to paint the mural over of, of Cosby. This is on the side of the building outside. <laughs> I like that picture. Rosa Parks. 
put Belafonte's in there, isn't he? Somewhere. So Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson on the far right. Far right. Yeah. They actually have a thing on the wall that tells you who everybody is. There he is. So they've been, they've hung tough in that neighborhood. They had bad riots there in the 60s and stuff. And it's in the book, but I think it was Stokely Carmichael. Um, they always, when they were rioting, there was a hands-off policy at Ben's, and they would have strategy meetings in there, and Ben's was always, it's really an important place in D.C. Her kids kind of run the place now, but she still shows up um, every day. She's a very gracious uh, hostess for us. Really nice. And I'm sure you have an opinion on that. I mean, the chili half smoke, remember that? We had a guy, he's not in the book, but he dissected the whole thing. There's a professor that wrote a thesis about how to eat a chili dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was about 10 pages long. <laughs> it was uh, very weird. <laughs> a lot of it has to do with how you hold it so the stuff doesn't squeeze out the other end. Is there a copy of that thing online? Probably. I don't know. So this is probably the, um, the newest and most hip restaurant in the book. Actually, it's right around the corner from Ben's. Uh, homage to Marvin Gaye. Um, I'd been there in it just opened uh, during the first inauguration. Big, big with the young people in D.C., big on Friday nights. They have an outdoor deck. Um, chicken and waffles, I think, are big there. And he's, um, what's the name of that? He's part of an electronica DJ duo. And he's, they've played Lollapalooza. I can't think of the name. What? Yeah, right. Do you know him? The, yeah, it's, it's in a band Thievery Corporation. They play in town at House of Blues pretty regularly, but he's the owner of the restaurant. Actually, um, um, I do a, sh a radio show on Saturday nights on WGN, and I want to do a, um, I want to do a, a kind of a, a segment on something he he talked about. It's in the book called, and he he got swept up under this called Swagger Jacking. And it was a big deal in D.C. when we were there, and it was about um, white people, white entrepreneurs co-opting black culture. And he got accused of that for what he was doing with Marvin. At the same time, um, there were some condos going up right around the corner, like called the Duke or called the Ellington. There's a name for Duke Ellington who was also from D.C. So there, there's this whole talk of swaggerjacking in D.C. at the time. I think that's, I'd like to really examine that more. We touch on it in the book with him, but um, they call it swagger jacking in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> but he was pretty open in talking about it. So here's, um, unfortunately, <laughs> one of the sadder stories. He's temporarily closed since the book came out. You guys all know about this place. This is Edna's slash Ruby's. They moved around the corner, um, tried to keep the... This is in Chicago. This is on the west side. Kedzie and Madison. Madison just, just east of Kedzie. Edna died. He was Edna's purveyor. He tried to take the place over. He did. And then he had trouble. He's had trouble with his landlord. And, like, he, maybe some, I don't know if it's some, they were having fire code issues or something like that. And I don't live too far from there, so I drive back and forth. And he told me he was going to re reopen by Thanksgiving, but I haven't seen it. 
but I do see lights on in there, and it's sad because it's my hometown, our hometown, and the number of soul food restaurants that have closed here is pretty alarming, you know? Glasses, Army and Lou's, traditional soul food restaurants. But you 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 go there a lot. You took blues blues people there. Yeah, I go there. I used to go there a lot. Best biscuits in Chicago. Yeah, the biscuits were were good. There's there's. You should also mention that Ethnos was one of the number one places for black politicians. Right. To hang out in the back room. Yeah, yeah. From the 60s up to the 90s. Yeah. The only mayor in recent times that has not gone there is Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're doing okay down the south side. If this guy could stay out of jail, <laughs> he'll, he'll do really well. It's so vegetarian and it said beef gravy. Fake, fake beef gravy. Fake. Fake beef. It's probably tofu. Right? Yeah, what we did, uh, the book ends with vegan soul food and... Um, there's a great place in Detroit called, you'll see them in a minute, Detroit Vegan Soul Food. And they were mentored by these guys. And um, like in Detroit, they have a great catfish where they use tofu substitute, but it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Did you think Oh, it was really, yeah, it was really, really good. It's all about the spices. We went and visited him. He had a, he's in the book just because he had us, he had the Solomon's Fisheries in the loop uh, in the 80s. And he still raises some of his own food there. He gave us some great cucumbers. Yeah. The minute we drove off, <laughs> big bags of cucumbers. He doesn't anymore. Solomon's Fisheries or whatever? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Selena, right. But he's got. He's got a farm right next to his house. He's got a whole lot that he grows stuff on. He's got irrigation. He's got the whole thing going. It's really amazing. Yeah, Southside. He's right just east of Comiskey Park, White Sox Park. Does he own that land or he just simply just owns it? I think he owns, owns it. it. Yeah. He sued some hip-hop guys for stealing his music a couple years ago and became very rich. So Sylvia's. Had to do them. Breakfast. That was a Sunday morning breakfast. I mentioned diversification. She's big on that. No, I haven't. Yeah, they have a jazz, uh, gospel brunch. Gospel brunch. So uh, I think it's accurate to say that everybody we approached, I don't know how many, 7,500 voices in the book, I don't know. I think the only person who said no was Marcus Samuelson. 
And I wanted to talk to him, we asked like three different times, either on the phone or when we were in Harlem. That He does the Red Rooster. He also has a, a upscale supper club in the basement that I've been into there. It's like about two blocks, maybe a block or two from Sylvia's. But he, I wanted... He's I want, all over the food channel. He's... he's what? I'm sure he has. Yeah. But I wanted to talk to him about, again, the global changing uh, definition of soul food, and I also wanted to talk to him about the gentrification in Harlem, um, but he, he wouldn't. But, I mean, there's... I mean, Harlem is really, really I think developing. He's, I think he's Ethiopian. Yeah, and he, there's a recipe online for his what he uses for his fried chicken. It looks pretty spectacular. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> Not really, no. But they said, like uh, Sylvia said, the Clintons would come in there because their offices weren't that far away. Bill Clinton's office. Bill was. Clinton's office is right across the street yeah. from Sylvia. Yeah. But I think they point to that as maybe the beginning of, 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 of the gentrification. Um, kind of put some captions on these. I don't know show up. I, exactly. Yeah, this was actually one of my editor's favorite chapters of the book. We went um, kind of off the grid a little bit, and uh, you heard me talk about sense of place. And uh, I wanted to do the kitchen at Aretha Franklin's church in Detroit. Uh, it was an important place for the movement in that uh, Dr. King would go up and get money from her father, very powerful minister, Reverend C.L. Franklin. Actually did some spoken words records for chess here in Chicago and stuff. So um, the church kitchen really was an important place in the movement. It's still there. They still serve food there, but not with the regularity at all. That, uh, just, that, uh, they used to serve Sunday breakfast every every Sunday and they say the young women coming through the church just aren't interested as the women were in the 50s and 60s that's Reverend C.L. Franklin he was murdered in his house I, I don't remember the year I wrote a lot about him for the Sun Times but I've always was told the one way to um, the murder was never solved and I was always told the one way to cut off an interview with Aretha Franklin is to ask about her father's death Again, church elders, so valuable in explaining to us uh, what happened there. That's she was one of the people that cooked back in the 60s. Yeah, she cooked for... That's the current pastor, Reverend Smith. I was on the cover of one of Aretha's uh, gospel albums. The cross was on the cover. So these are the people who make catfish, catfish out of tofu. They're new. They're maybe they're two years when we were there, a year or two. They put that up in the bathroom three different doors. Another Detroit, um, this, you'll be serving this. This is a, maybe you can tell the story, I can tell the story. This is where they are, we found the Army and Lou's macaroni and cheese that you'll be having. Um, her sister managed, I didn't know this till we got there, but the people who run Bakers, her sister managed Army and Lou's here in Chicago. It was a, a great coincidence. It's the oldest running um, jazz club they claim in the world, certainly in the States. Uh, Liberace played there, visited there once, and their, their piano bar, he, that inspired him to do his swimming pool the same way. The Whitakers, same thing. I mean, he, uh, he was a customer at the, 
he was a customer at Baker's and he worked at GM up in Flint and he just wanted to keep the business alive. He saved his money and, and bought it. His wife was in the healthcare industry. He was a postal workers at lunch. That was the original owner. The current owners are Whitaker. That was a good dessert. I think there was cobbler. Yeah. So this is Sweats in uh, Nashville. Nashville hot chicken. We're asking about <coughs> He diversified it as far as even opening his own gas station and food store across the street from his restaurant. He had just gotten married the day before. He's on the north side of Nashville by Fisk University. So he claimed to have, I mean, uh, my brother lives in Nashville, so I've been to most of the hot chicken places. He claimed to have the best hot chicken in Nashville. What do you think? Didn't try any of the other ones, but that, that was darn good. Just try Hattie I've been, uh, Hattie B's is probably my favorite. What's the one in the mall there? I wrote about that for the Sun. That was like the first one I ever went to. I can't, that's, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That's the first one I went to. But I like Hattie B's. Yeah. This was good, though. At Hattie B's, I go middle of the road. We were down there. I was down there with a camera guy, and he uh, had hot. He couldn't. He just like, hot is really hot at Hattie B's. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what we did here, I did, was doing some research at the, uh, at the Nashville Library, and we found, uh, it's in the book, I, I don't, it's hard to point out there, she's probably there, can't, all the way what, at the top. Like, if you look at Banner and under A, um, and I found her, and uh, my friends in Nashville always talk about how Nashville didn't get a lot of ink during the movement because there wasn't a lot of violence there. Um, didn't have the riots of the northern cities or, or, or Memphis. And what we get into the book is uh, they were taught very to be pacifists there. And Patricia, we did the same thing there that we kind of did with Leah Chase. We brought her to the restaurant and had her sit down with David Sweat. I mean, it's probably one of my at least most emotional moments of the, of the whole project. And she told stories about how at these sit-ins, they, uh, they were cursed at and they had people spit in their faces and stuff and they were just told to hold back and not, not respond. And it was just... People would pour hot coffee down their backs and if they moved, they were immediately arrested. And they had more people waiting down the street and as soon as somebody was arrested, they would bring somebody else in to take their place. And they would sit at the lunch counter all day long and ask for food. And they were never served. And um, it was just remarkable. We sat there for a couple hours, and at the end of the interview, David Sweat stood up and shook her hand and said, thank you. And when we did our uh, event in um, over the fall there, she came to the, to the book thing. So that was our book thing. And she, our buddy John Prime came up, and then Patricia's in the middle, and that's John's brother, Billy. We're almost done, right? We're missing, we got Pascal's. This is Atlanta, Georgia. Same thing, self-contained. Uh, they, uh, they had a hotel, they had a, a nightclub called the Carousel Lounge. We got Ramsey Lewis in the book. Ramsey Lewis played there. 
Um, all that stuff's gone by the wayside, it's closed, but they rebuilt um, just down the road. And I think of all the places we visited, they did the most, in terms of design and stuff on the walls and stuff, they did the most recognition of the movement. I mean, there's pictures of Dr. King, um, Harry Belafonte, Julian Bond. That's what the original looked like. Did you like their chicken That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky to find him. He was like the last link to the past. I asked what the house drink was. That's what, I, I didn't have it, but that's what she said. That's in your book? Yeah. Yeah, there's recipes in the book, yeah. He doesn't drink. <laughs> I never had old fashioned until I did the uh, supper club. <laughs> Fried chicken. We should probably not get into that. <laughs> there are a bunch of places in Chicago that make really bad fried chicken. Have you been out to the South County? No. Fried chicken is king out there. I'll have to try that. So that's a little example of the interior of Pascal's back at Ruby's. And there we are. That's it. Thanks, man. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> Any questions or yeah? Yeah, what's the one? Um, Army, it's Army and Lose. I th Army and Lose, I think, had the best history. And they're gone. Army and Lose, um, that's where the, the macaroni and cheese you're going to have today, that's from. It's gone. But that Harold Washington, like, that was his base of operation when he was elected mayor. You mentioned Pearls, right? Yeah, Pearls. They're on the web, they're on our Facebook page. We, we did Pearls. Um, yeah, Gladys's, Sam Moore, Sam and Dave talks about Gladys's in the book about, um, you know, a lot of those places, Gladys's was big because it was by the Regal Theater. You know, you know, they were all, but when these places closed, you know, so did the, so did the stuff around the neighborhood. Do you ever heard of this place? No. I've been there. That's... Yeah, it's kind of a meet and three type place. That's it, good. It's good. So meet and three is just like a lunch counter? It's a cafeteria style. You get a tray, you yeah, tell them what kind of meat you want, and then they give you little dishes with three sides. They want a third book. They did well with supper clubs and soul food, but I don't think there's enough traction in meet and three. Meet and threes, big in Nashville, and actually big in Birmingham. Meet and three is so big in Nashville, there are meet and three places where people get their food and they stand there with their trays, waiting for a table to open up. I've never heard anybody really just differentiate between meet and three and soul food. To me, they've always been... It's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah, okay, so we moved before. Why do you say something about the not being the same? I thought, did I misunderstand? I think it's the same. Okay. I know at the Nikki's West, they would say that's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm 
all available light. <coughs> I just saw a thing on TV about how to take pictures with your iPhone in a restaurant because everybody takes pictures of their food and posts it on, on the web. And the first thing they tell you is turn off the flash. Well, you'd have to add them up off the top. You know, there's so much more. I mean, you know, I would have loved to go out west. I would have loved to go to Oakland. Loved, loved to go to L.A. What do we, we have? We'd have to count it up. We went to New York, South Carolina, Virginia, Richmond, D.C., Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Louisiana, Mississippi, Michigan, Michigan. No. We just went for food. Sure, and then um, this is on, again on the. Uh, it's on, and I think when we did this stuff at Pearls, we just talk about the deep roots of American soul food of just you know, which most people know, cooking from scraps and stuff, and how that's. Pig, pig ears were the part. Yeah. Pig, pig ears were the part of the pig that they threw away, and white people didn't want them, so they just put them in a big box, and African American people came in, they couldn't afford meat so they would take the hooves and the tails and the pig ears and make dinner out of it. Well, my dad loved beef street when I was a kid. Big beef street. It's now become the it's now become delicacy. Warm beer. Yeah. It's cold and beef bubble. Oh gosh. But they could do okay. I'm sure you're following the laws of Food that was food that was not being used has now become hip and trendy. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Where where where, where, where do we like those biscuits? Did you say the biscuits? Uh, South Carolina biscuits were good. Yeah, that's a good point. Now that you bring that up, we did. I didn't see much cornbread. Almost every place we went to was biscuits. 
No. I know of the book, but no, we didn't. We didn't. Um, I had nothing to do with it. I just follow him wherever he goes. Well, they did well. Um, they did well with the supper. I mean, for a small press, they did well with the supper club book, and they asked for another book. So it's kind of like the same template. Like I said at the beginning, it's it's just really going around gathering stories. You know, I mean, I I keep you know, I'm not really a food critic. I don't go into places and review the food, but I think that, you know, I really look hard for backstories. Like every time I talk about that Nashville, the woman in Nashville, you know. So that's what tried to steer the book. It's just, and nobody done a book like this. You know, we research, you know, you, you look at comparative books and nobody had, had blended uh, soul food with civil rights. But what just what we just heard her saying, I mean, that's, I learned that at the Sun-Times. When you get people talking around food and, and you know, it just stirs up all kinds of memories and you really, you really get great stories over a meal. So... Um, I know her. Um, I've written about her a lot. Um, she was involved, uh, you know, she's from Chicago. Um, she served breakfast with the Black Panthers. Um, so she has a food thing. I, she, I don't know if she has her own cookbook out. I don't know. I, don't she, so. she, I know she has her own recipes and stuff. So um, I asked her and she did. <coughs> you know, so. hmm? <laughs> <laughs> But she talked about growing up in, it's, I mean, she talked about growing up in Hyde Park and, you know, and what the, what the Panther breakfasts were like and stuff. Anything else? So we're almost about to do food. Is okay. That okay. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, is, so what we did is, for the food selection, we did do Army and Lou's. Mac, and, mac cheese. and cheese. Joan, talk about it. Well, I, I have a bit of a mac and cheese snob. I think mine's the best. So I mean, this, this seemed like it was going to be a little bland, but I followed the recipe exactly. And it, it has eggs in it, which I've never seen in mac and cheese before. I'm not quite sure what they're there for, but it's got some cheese dip, which had a little green, green chili. So the thing isn't bland at all. I think it's, I mean, it's not spicy, spicy, but it's really good. But I did bring a bottle of Frank's Red Hot for those who want a little extra something on top of it. It's pretty damn good Becker cheese. And I was a big Army, Army and Lou fan, so I'm really happy to be able to say that. And in addition, she, she had contacted me. She said, can I put the red hot sauce in? in the, and I said, no, put it on the side. We'll try it as is. Because she really was sure it was going to be bland. Well, it's very, very flavorful. I wouldn't say it's strongly spicy, but it's not bland. It's good. Okay. And then, because Dave expressed a like in the lima beans, I made the lima beans. And it's... And I had just recently seen a show on PBS where this lady, it was, I don't remember the name of the show, but it's that, that chef who was in New York, who's now in the Carolinas because her family is, what's the name of the show? Yes. <coughs> Chef's Life. Because there's always something going wrong. You know, staff problems, what have you. Anyway, she was going on and on and on about the baby, about butter beans and I didn't I was like gee we'd never get butter beans here until she said it was baby lima beans oh okay then we can handle this but a jewel 
they do sell frozen baby lima beans. So I had to kind of like adjust the recipe because we're supposed to use dried baby lima beans. So I used fresh frozen. So I pretended that I had soaked them overnight. And so it's four pounds instead of two pounds. Anyway, and for the meat, which you add at the very end, I used uh, pork neck bones. Actual, I wanted actually the smoked turkey, but it said smoked turkey, but there was no smoked turkey. It was neck bone, so I was like, okay, we'll take that. Um, and the mac, the cobbler I also made, it was on the same page, it was the next page right after your recipe for the mac and cheese. So I'm gonna presume that there is probably a bit of the influence of Army and Lou's. But I have to tell you, they may have tested the recipe. I had to adjust this to make it work. So if you want information about what I did to adjust to make it work, I'll be happy to, but you may never want to make that much. This is a, there's a gallon of canned peaches in there. Even by my standards, I was terribly impressed. But I was supposed to make, you know, I'll just give you an example. The crust, it said, you know, three cups of flour, and I'm like, that's not going to make enough crust. So I ended up for the bottom edge of the crust, I did do three cups of flour, you know, made a crust with that. And then for the top, I did two cups of flour. So it was five. That's already one of the issues with that recipe. Didn't quite work. Okay, Let so me, it worked, but that. So grab, um, grab a bowl for your mac and cheese and your beans and grab another bowl with your peach cobbler and one spoon if you could handle that. Just lick it off between courses. It's what you would do at home. Believe me.